Have you ever heard of the term endometriosis? If you haven't, you're not the only one. While millions of women around the globe suffer from this chronic illness, few have heard the mention of its name. After being diagnosed with endometriosis in April, a term which I had only heard in passing once or twice, I decided to embark on a journey of discovery, speaking to women who battled the condition and medical experts who held some answers for the lifelong pain we often endure in silence. In this podcast, we speak to Kim Jacobs, a young woman whose journey started off innocently enough as she tried to conceive a baby with her husband, but ended with an endometriosis diagnosis that left her fighting for her life. My name is Kim Elastine Jacobs. I was born and bred in El Dorado Park Extension. Two, born and raised here. Um, in 2010, I got married. Um, you know, as a young girl, I was 24 years old. Um, and like every other couple, you want to have children. So, but before all of that, we decided, no, we're going to wait for about two years, two to three years before we actually have children. Um, we did that. And then the first year after we decided not to have children, um, we discovered that nothing was happening. Um, at that point, nothing. There were no signs and symptoms of any period pains, any menstruation. Because as you know, that endometriosis is the, the tissue that that um, usually grows inside the uterus um, that now grows outside. But at that point, I was not aware of what was happening because my periods were still normal. There wasn't any pain or any discomfort. But then I went for a doctor's checkup, a gynae checkup. And at that point, 2014, I was diagnosed with endometriosis where they said to me that that's why there's no sign of a baby. I mean, we've tried for a year, but he said it was still normal um, that I should continue trying and we can see how far this goes. But I'll definitely I'll definitely still be able to have a child. In 2014, Kim had a laparoscopy a procedure where a camera is inserted into the belly through a small incision in the navel, giving doctors the opportunity to scan the inside of the pelvis. While she hoped the operation would help, Kim says her condition continued to worsen. Then, in November 2019, tragedy struck when she was rushed to hospital with a collapsed lung. Kim bravely fought for her life and won the battle, but just eight months later, she would find herself back in ICU with a collapsed lung once again. My whole lung was full of water. And all of this, we had no inclination that it was due to the endo. At this stage also, nobody knew what was going on. I went in 15 days ICU both times Um near close to death experiences where I was fighting for my life nobody knew what was going on and at this time obviously the endometriosis was severe um, but I still didn't know it was linked to the lung that collapsed. Kim would go on to have four operations on her lung before being referred to a specialist. But what is endometriosis and how did it affect Kim's lungs? The definition of endometriosis means that those cells in the lining of the uterus that prepares every month for a pregnancy, a possible pregnancy, those cells 
if they grow outside the uterus, they will then form what we call endometriosis. Mm-hmm. The question is, how on earth do they get outside the uterus? I'm Aubrey de Brain. I'm a gynecologist practicing at Mediclinic Clough Hospital in Pretoria. Um, I have a passion for laparoscopic surgery and I run a referral center for deep endometriosis. Now the uterus, if you think about it, has three openings. The mouth of this uterus is the one opening, so that blood comes out through the vagina. But the two tubes are also openings from the uterus. Mm-hmm. So when the uterus contracts during a period, the blood will come out through the cervix and into the vagina using either a tampon or a pad, or it will go through the tubes. And that means that those cells then land in the pelvis. So now you have endometrial cells that land in the pelvis. Now this happens in all women with open tubes. If you have open tubes, you just contract, the blood will flow into your pelvis. So if we do an ultrasound in a patient having a period, we can see the menstrual blood inside the pelvis. Mm. Now, keep in mind that your lowest point of gravity is your pelvis because we spend 90% of our wake time either sitting or standing and we sleep. Let's say we're lucky to sleep eight hours a night. That means that 16 hours you're going to be awake either sitting or standing. And then Mm. your lowest point is your pelvis, and that's where those cells go. And that's why we get most endometriosis inside the pelvis. Mm. But there are other areas where the endometriosis can grow that fits in with the blood inside the pelvis. Because just remember, your pelvis is an open cavity with the sense of there's no separation between bowels and pelvis and all of that. So... Then in those eight hours that you lie down, if you have those menstrual blood and you have a period for four or five days, there are four or five days that some of those cells get into your pelvis. If you lie flat on your back, where is it going to go? It's going to go to your upper area of your abdomen. And that's why we get endometriosis on the diaphragm. And that's how we get endometriosis in the lung because that endometriosis literally attaches to the diaphragm, the bottom side. So we typically will get patients that complain of shoulder pain when they have their periods. Mm -hmm. So how does that happen? You must remember if someone breaks their neck, they're still alive. Those that are quadriplegics or paraplegics. Why? Because all the muscles around the chest have been paralyzed, but there's a nerve that makes you breathe that goes from your neck to your shoulder and then to your diaphragm. So if you have something at the bottom irritating the diaphragm, you'll get shoulder pain. And that's also Mm -hmm. why patients that had a laparoscopy complain of shoulder pain because the gas irritates the top of the diaphragm and that then reverts to the shoulder and that's why you get shoulder pain. Kim would finally get answers and some relief after seeing Dr. Aubrey Debrain. The fluid which had built up in her chest was drained by the specialist. Dr. Debrain tells us about Kim's state the first time he saw her. I mean, I remember Kim coming in here in the rooms in a wheelchair. And then her belly was distended, looking as if she was about 13 months pregnant. And Mm -hmm. because we needed to drain, then her whole pelvis was full of blood. Mm -hmm. And we needed to drain that bloody fluid. But you can't drain all of the fluid because it causes too many of imbalances in electrolytes. So we would drain two liters of bloody fluid. 
Mm-hmm. Not not being a bad word, bloody being as reflection to blood. Um, mm-hmm. And then, so we would drain two liters of blood filled fluid. And then she would come back the next day and she, we would drain two liters more and the next day. And then every time that we drain the fluid, she'll tell you, uh, she can immediately feel relief. Mm. So the same happens if you have that fluid collection in between the lung and the side of the thorax. So that needs to be drained. And then they actually need to inject stuff to make your lung grow physically attached to the side of the thorax so that there's no space for the blood to, to grow into. So, so they do a pleurodesis. So that's one of the, the rare things that we do see, but it's not, it's something that we, that we see and it's something that people need to think of that if you, present with that actually as you're doing the kidney sonar you can just move your probe a little bit up and see if there's any fluid between the lung and the and the rib cage according to the world health organization one in 10 women globally suffer from endometriosis yet many have not even heard of the condition and even when sufferers are aware that something is wrong it reportedly takes an average of seven years to receive a diagnosis But why is it so difficult to find? One reason could be because severe symptoms aren't always present. So endometriosis is not endometriosis, not endometriosis. There's a a vast variability in endometriosis. And the most important thing to understand is that there's no correlation between symptoms and disease. I'm going to say that again. There's no correlation between symptoms and disease. I will see some patients with no symptoms, no period pains, they're just not conceiving. You do a laparoscopy, mm-hmm. they have bad endometriosis. And then you have other patients, school kids, mom tells me she's out of school, three days a month, every month that she has a period, you'll do a laparoscopy and you might find one or two spots. Mm. So the symptom, symptomatology and the clinical findings are not the same thing. But even if you are aware that you have endometriosis, how do doctors miss cases like Kim's where the condition affects organs outside of the pelvis, leading to dire consequences? When patients first present with signs of endometriosis, they will often go to a doctor who will talk to them about a scoring system which lets you know the severity of your illness. Though Dr. DeBrain, who specializes in treating deep endometriosis, says this numbering system can present some faults. Now, it may be a technical term talking about deep endometriosis because everyone talks about stages, stage one, two, three, and four endometriosis. Now, those stages are a, just needs to have some clarification because the stages thing is purely there so that we know when we charge for the medical aid which codes to use Mm. so that staging thing Mm. was brought up by the americans and it's called the revised american fertility society staging score so what they do is they have looked at just the things that affect fertility so they did not look at pain they did not look at anything they purely looked at the effect of endometriosis on fertility Mm-hmm. And that okay. is a scoring system that gives a count from 1 to more than 40. Mm-hmm. 
So it's literally just a tick list. You have this, you can print it out. It's free. You print it out. The doctors can just tick where is the infiltration, how deep is it, what organs does it influence, and then you get a score. And if the score is 1 to 5, then you score stage 1. If it's 6 to 15, then you stage 2. If it's 16 to 40, you stage 3. And if you're more than 40, it's stage 4. But that, that, that says very very little about endometriosis because the principle of stage four does not take into consideration whether there's endometriosis in your bladder or your bowel or your kidney pipe or your lung or wherever it ignores that completely so the people in the world that do deep endometriosis we use a different classification and that's got nothing to do with coding or staging or when we talk about deep endometriosis, it's already specialized level. Aside from affecting the lungs, endometriosis can also affect the bladder, bowel, and kidneys, making it extremely important for these organs to be checked and monitored in severe cases. So endometriosis, I operated a patient two weeks ago. She's lost both her kidneys to endometriosis. Mm. She's waiting on a kidney transplant. Her mom is a match. She, had, mm. she lost both her kidneys. At age 31, she's been on dialysis, purely because endometriosis was never considered as a diagnosis. Yeah. Mm. So you can see it in other Mm. organs and you need to actually look for it. Mm -hmm. And then there are subtle things like we can see whether the bowel is stuck to the uterus. The bowel needs to move against the uterus. So there are all things that we need to look look at. So a, a gynae ultrasound, shouldn't be something that takes a minute or two minutes. Gynae ultrasound is something that takes time because there are various things that you need to look at and exclude. The condition can also lead to infertility. And then the most difficult part of endometriosis that we can see on ultrasound that's very difficult to treat is endometriosis inside the uterus. Endometriosis inside the uterus is called adenomyosis. Adena is just a Latin word for for glands so that means that those cells inside the uterus grows in between the muscle layers and you cannot get rid of it you can't operate it the only operation you can do is take out the uterus so those are the patients that we give medical treatment for and from a fertility point of view that's one of our big headaches is how to treat the patients with this bad endometriosis inside the uterus Mm -hmm. to actually conceive because we can get very nice embryos but the implantation is a problem because the uterus structure and functionality has been affected by the endometriosis. Because endometriosis has no cure, Kim faces a lifelong battle with the condition and the severe pain it brings. Every month without fail, excruciating pain, can't sleep, can't eat for three to four days. Um, Literally have to hold my womb as I walk because as the years went by, I never received proper treatment, you know, and that escalated to me getting to stage four. So I believe if I had received treatment earlier, I would have prevented all of that. And um, I honestly believe if I met this guy any earlier, I would have had a lot of help, you know, that I needed and deserved because at the time, like I said, I don't personally feel that I was helped um, or people were up to date, you know, with the Mm -hmm. current technology that we currently have. 
Kim now spends her time creating awareness around endometriosis and sharing her experiences with other women. So I've been speaking at a lot of events, women events. I've spoken at um, talk shows. I've spoken on, it started basically on my Facebook page. Um, I posted pictures of me in a hospital. I posted it on Instagram. I posted my story, posted the amount of um, operations I had. And therefore, I started speaking with young girls, phoning me, SNSing me, WhatsApping me. They need help. They think this is a similar thing that they're going through. And it started creating awareness. And um, I really sympathize with every young girl. And that is why I want to speak about it. Because obviously, menstruation, infertility are all things nobody wants to cover. Mm. It's embarrassing. It's painful. And if probably, well, if they see one speaking about it, perhaps the other girls will open up about it and not just brush it off. And that's my main aim and my purpose. So, yeah, it's it's... It's a very common, very scary disease that affects women's quality of life severely. And I think we must get to a point where we can give a, a forum for for young patients and even patients in a in a relationship to be able to voice their pain mm-hmm. in a form where they're not going to be seen as uh, either. I had a painful period. Your mom had a painful period. You're going to have painful periods. It's how it is in the family. Mm. Mm. No, it's not. Because mm. we've, I mean, if we're having that philosophy, we should all still be drawing ox wagons. Mm. 